welcome to day eight of Critical Encounters Villainous Yule Calendar for December 2022. Here we get in the holiday spirit and take a quick look at some random festive aspects of the game. So let's peek behind the door and see what our so-called villains are up to. Welcome back folks to another one of our villainous episodes tonight. We are back with guest Drew and Daniel's here also. Hi guys. Hey. Hello, hello. And we're going to continue some of the conversation that Daniel and Drew started. We're going to talk some deck building 101. And this time uh, I'll get to say some things, maybe, (laughs) and um, that you'll ignore because Drew's here. So that's okay. So uh, how are we going to start this? What do we want to talk about? Well, I mean, ostensibly, Drew was on earlier in the Villain Miss calendar to talk about deck building. And our conversation went elsewhere pretty quickly um, into community positivity and really important things like that. But Drew came to the table with a whole lot to say about actual deck building. Um, so we thought it was important, Steve, to bring him back and let him let him share the knowledge. Yes. So Drew, drop that knowledge. Yeah. I I really appreciated the last conversation we had because I think it was very important. And I'm glad that you had me back again so we could actually talk about the the deck building, which I think is also important. Um, And I think that if I'm going to give advice to someone who wants to start deck building, they want to start making their own decks because they think it's too hard and things like that. I did mention this last time, you know, don't don't be so hard on yourselves. Don't try to set these unnaturally high expectations. Just start wherever you are and just keep improving. And I think that one of the biggest things that you can do to improve playing Marvel Champions and getting better at Marvel Champions is to play another game. And it doesn't mm. have to be um, a, a competitive game or, or something like that where the stakes are higher. But if you play another game that involves the same kind of skills of customizability and things like that, then you can go to another game and you can see, oh, I I understand some of these concepts now, even if you don't have a word for them. Things like card advantage, which means just having lots of cards. Things like resource advantage, just having lots of resources. Because those work very differently in Champions, where your cards are your resources. But if you play a game where your resources are not your cards and your cards are not your resources, you can start to see how different games start to build things like engines where I'm going to lay down these cards that are going to allow me to draw more cards and I can find more answers and more things because Champions actually has one of the best engines just built into it. The fact that you can draw up to your maximum hand size at the end of turn Drawing five, six cards every single turn is absolutely unheard of in so many other games. If you play a game like Magic (laughs) the Gathering or Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh! or something like that, you're drawing one card. Yeah. Yeah, you're drawing one card. That's it. Just one card. And I think that, you know, once once you can realize that you can kind of ignore a little bit of that it can help you to kind of see the game in a different way. And you can start mm-hmm. to see the things that are important. Okay, I don't need to build an engine because I have one that's built into the game that's so strong. So what else do I need to do to try to win? And when you play these other competitive games, 
I mentioned last time I played Netrunner competitively for a really, really long time. And lately in my personal life, I've started playing Pokemon again competitively. Um, it's, it's a really fun game. And when you're making a deck and you get feedback on it, a lot of times some people respond to it. They say things like, win condition. What's your win condition? How does this deck win? And I think that a lot of people, when they hear that, they think, okay, there's just a combo, like a specific set of cards in my hand that means I win the game right now. And I think that for a lot of people, when they play champions, they think, oh, I'm just going to build up my board state and then eventually the villain dies and that's my win condition. And I think that a lot of people, they, they don't really understand what a win condition is how it works or why you should actually think about this, why you actually want to consider what your win condition is. So Drew, is this the same as building around a theme or not quite? Uh, I, think, I think they often kind of go uh, you know, related to each other because again, okay. for champions, like I said in the last uh, interview, you could just play for fun, right? And maybe the way in which you want to play for fun is I want to play all Guardians heroes. I'm going to have, you know, one Guardian hero, and then I'm going to have the whole rest of the team as allies, and I want them all on the board when the villain dies, right? And so that isn't necessarily a win condition, right? Because it's not <laughs> finding the most efficient way to close out the game in a situation where right. you have technically won the game by bringing the villain down to zero health, right? I guess it's more acute than anything. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So I think that you, you shouldn't necessarily think of it as a win condition. Just think of what is my deck's purpose? What is it trying to do? Of course, that can be very closely related to theme. It could even overlap entirely if that's you know what you're trying mm -hmm. to do. But you have to think about the fact that, first of all, the villain has their win condition. They're trying to either scheme out or get all the heroes down to zero health with you know certain exceptions with some scenarios that have alternative win conditions but in general that's their win condition but for the players you just have bring the villain down to zero health and again there are some exceptions um but that's generally how you do it and so the way you win the game is just deal a bunch of damage to the villain and i think that the way in which a lot of people approach the game is I want to slowly build up a very impressive board state to where nothing the villain can do can set me back. And then I can start making massive waves into this villain health. And I think for some people, this is a really satisfying way to play. And I really enjoy it as well, where, you know, I'm sure you guys have had a lot of games like this, where the moment you defeat stage one or stage two, is like the penultimate turn of the game. And that next turn, you defeat the entire next stage because you're so built up. You have this just yeah. massive, impressive engine that you were able to you know, completely overcome the well, villain. People I play with do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and so I think that for, for a lot of people, that's kind of how they... Um, approach their win condition for champions and i think this is a way a lot of people kind of approach the game but one way in in which that i really love playing the game is just trying to race the villain where you are doing nothing with threat 
You're just trying to do as much damage as possible before the villain can win in another way by either killing you or scheming out. And I think that that is a really fun way to play that is also a little dicey, right? Because sometimes yeah. you lose the you lose the race. And the games are usually really quick. They're, you know, between three and four turns normally, where I think a lot of standard games for me at least are around six turns, at least solo anyway. And I think that you know, you can you can decide how you want to play the game. And and it doesn't necessarily have to be you know, this one way that a lot of people decide is the most stable, the strongest strategy, and things like that. And so mm -hmm. I think that defining your purpose, why you're wanting to play this game, how you are going to have fun playing it. Because of course, for a lot of people, winning is fun and losing is not fun. So you want to find the strongest <laughs> deck and the strongest strategy. And okay, that's, that's totally fair. Sometimes the way people play this game, they want to have that really intense brain burn where you're looking at all these different interactions and you're trying to squeeze out exactly enough value out of every single thing you can, where you always attack with an ally exactly enough times that it has one health left and then it blocks a villain attack. That's totally fine. And I think that it's really important to first define your purpose. And once you have defined your purpose, then you can start referring back to that as you build your deck. Once you put a card in, you have to think, is this going to help me fulfill my purpose? Is this going to be a really big fun card in my deck? Is this a card that's going to help me achieve my win condition as quickly and efficiently as possible, if that's my plan? Drew, can I, can I ask you a question along those lines? Which is, so you talk about achieving a purpose. What would you say are like five, six, I don't know, however many, purposes when you say that word what do you mean yeah so a purpose can be almost anything and i think that when you make a deck you just have to think of what that purpose should be so give some examples yeah as you're building the deck it might change but here's here's a couple of examples so i remember one time one of my friends when ant-man had just came out he decided to make an ant-man deck and what he did was he put in a whole bunch of allies. He, he kept it with leadership. He kept it with the leadership theme. He put in a whole bunch of allies. And then he put in one of every single ally attachment. And he said, the reason for this is because my deck will be more versatile. So versatility was the purpose in his mind? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. That was, that was right. the, the versatility. And so when I was looking at his deck, I was trying to say, you know, it seems really unfocused. You don't really have a theme. Like, I don't know what you're trying to do. Are you trying to Voltron one ally really big with a bunch of attachments? Are you trying to go really wide and have a whole bunch of chump blockers? You know, what, what, what's going on here? And then, and then he told me, you know, I'm trying to be versatile. He made that deck for his nephew, who's really young and isn't really thinking about is this deck being super efficient? Is this card being really strong right now? He's just thinking, is this deck going to be easy enough for him to play? Easy enough for him to think, okay, I could put this on here, I could do this here, and then I have a lot of different answers for a lot of different things that might happen. So you're saying purpose doesn't have anything really necessarily to do with efficiency or tightly crafted or something like that? No, like, and... My purpose yeah, could and be like, I want... I want this to be a super fun, crazy deck 
that uses 18 cards that no one's ever used before, and I can hand it to my five-year-old. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of okay. people, when they think of purpose, they think that it's a 100% overlap, like you said, with okay. being super efficient and you know getting every single bit of value you possibly can winning by turn four in these specific ways, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be. I think that it's not wrong to do that, of course. It's just whatever you want to do. Like we said in the last interview, I think it was just play how you want, you know, whatever yeah. it is that's fun for you. For me, I do really enjoy playing in these really efficient ways. And I think that sometimes when you get to actually playing the game, people kind of lose sight of, of what's actually efficient in terms of actually winning the game, um, which is <laughs> maybe a whole other conversation. But yeah, as you're, as you're uh, building a deck, as long as everything's kind of fitting to that theme, fitting to that purpose, fitting to that idea, then you won't get to a point where you've made a deck and it's got 100 cards in it. And you're thinking, oh my God, what do I cut? Right. Because... I know when I first started making decks, even when the card pool was really, really small, I would get into those points where I would start making a deck and then I just put in everything. Oh, this looks cool. This looks fun. I like this card. I always put this card in my deck, so I'll put this one in too. And then I end up and I've got 80 cards <laughs> in my deck. And I'm thinking, wow, I have to cut at least 30 just to make it playable. <laughs> um and I think that if you can, if you can, before you start that process of just throwing things in, thinking of your purpose, does this card fit my purpose? When you, when you get to that point, you'll think, okay, actually, there aren't so many cards that I can put in here because this card, I just put it in because I like the card and, and it's always helpful for me. But, you know, you can only fit so many cards in each deck. Right. Yeah. One thing. Um... And this game, I find it happens less for me, is the staple card, where I don't have to play with it anymore. Um, I don't have to play with energy, genius, and strength if I don't want to, if that doesn't fit the purpose of my deck, let's say. I don't feel the, the constraint in other games, Lord of the Rings. Um, if I'm playing Spirit, I better put in Unexpected Courage and Test of Will, because... Sure. I just have to have them to win. And in this one, I've gotten away from that. And you're still winning? And I'm still winning. And and if I'm losing, it's okay because a game doesn't go on for seven hours. I can try a different deck. I can build right. something else. I I have an Ant-Man deck that's going to flip and give himself a huge boost once in a while and do a bunch right. of damage. And then he's going to have some downturns, um, yeah. which is fine. And then it's different from that other person's Ant-Man deck. And then I, I, there's so many heroes and so many cards and so many choices out there and so many good decks to go and check out. You could try a deck three, four times and then move on to something else. That's a great point, Steve. The flexibility of this game in terms of staples is why I like it so much. Because, yeah, so many other LCGs is like, well, I'm building an X deck, so here's half of the deck already built. And I that drives me crazy. It's like, I spent thousands of dollars on all these cards and I used 10. Oh, so, right, and I think I think, yeah. I think the fact that you have the hero kit will interact with the aspect that you've chosen in a different way for every hero mm -hmm. opens up the door. Totally, good point. Uh, to not have saying, "Oh, I'm going to play aggression, so I must use these 15 cards." 
because that's not what you're doing. You might be playing that spider deck that is looking for overkill damage, or you might be playing one that's going to put out a bunch of weapons, or another one's going to do allies, or whatever the different whatever you've chosen to do. I, I think those. I think it's really interesting that we can have all these different designs. Yeah, I think that's a really good segue into another point I wanted to mention, which is that one way in which you can start deck building is, you know, for for this game, it actually does make it really easy for you because you have that 15 set of cards. I think some of them have a few extra cards, uh, but you have that 15 set of cards that are in your deck that you cannot change at all. So every hero comes with one specific kind of thing that it's trying to do. And as part of that, deciding what kind of purpose you want your deck to fulfill, you can decide, do I want to lean into what my hero is already doing? Or do I want to shy away from some of these things? Do I want to try and make it do something different? Yeah, and we were talking recently how some heroes... um the hero cards maybe focus what you're doing more and other heroes you can get away from that and you can focus in on the aspect cards um and I, I like i like the option between some of the heroes to do that or that like you said lean into it or shore up a weakness that you think or take some little aspect of it and say boy I, this this these two cards look really fun how can i build around them and and what can i do to to play off of that the other thing this game does to help you get started is they give you a usable deck, the pre-con deck. And you could just yep. take some cards out, put some cards in, try it. Does it work? Do it again. Do it again. So, Yeah, you, you touched upon a couple of things that I think are really important here. One is that you have this pre-con, but then you can just change out a couple of cards. The precon usually comes with a couple basic cards as well. I know that for a lot of people, Black Widow, for example, I can't remember which card it was. I think it was called Espionage that was in like the back 12. And a lot of people were like, just take out Target Acquired and put in Espionage. And suddenly, now it's a different deck, right? It's, it's not the exact same 40 cards. You've just made a, a change that you've decided to change or you followed someone's advice. Um, but now you've you've experimented with deck building. You've made a, a change. And I think that for a lot of people, they think that they need to make a deck entirely from scratch. And you don't have to do that. You can just change a couple of things. Well, there's no such thing in this game. Yeah. <laughs> and also that it's it's a process. You know, when I post a deck, a lot of times people will comment and they say, oh, did you think about this? And then sometimes I have to admit, actually, I didn't think about this and that would be perfect for this deck. And now I'm embarrassed that I didn't think about it because that's the perfect <laughs> card that would have made this deck uh, work uh, just a little bit better. Um, but you know, you don't have to, I think we talked about this the last time, you don't have to like solve the deck, you know, getting to a certain point where you have a deck and then posting it on Marvel Champions, that's not the end, right? There's no end point. There's no end goal, at least for me anyway. For me, it's I'm going to play this deck and then I'm going to say, oh, I didn't like this card as much this time. I'm going to try this other card instead. And it's not necessarily that this new card is better. It's just that 
well, now my feelings are changing, or now the scenarios I'm playing are different, or now, you know, the friends that I'm playing with, they're doing things where I don't need this answer in my deck anymore. And so it's a constantly evolving kind of process. Yeah, do you, I hear this a lot from folks. Uh, I have to play a such and such a villain to test my deck. Now, I used to play Legend of the Five Rings when it was owned by AEG, and it was competitive and go to tournaments and play. And I would test my deck against other friends because I need to have a powerful deck that I can take and I can win because it's competitive. I don't, in co-op games, I don't test my deck against something. I just play my deck against something. And I might change it and it, it may evolve. I may take it apart, but I don't, I hear a lot of people, oh, I test my deck. I test my deck. What are you testing it for? There's there's no, like you said, there's no, it's done. I'm solved. It's over with. Um, well, well, Steve, that seems like you're speaking to like a semantic thing or like a, a mentality kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I, I guess you're right. I, I'm i trying to, what Drew's saying, like. You're not trying the, to beat other people. You're, I mean. Right. I'm just trying to enjoy playing the deck. So I don't have an end goal mm-hmm. necessarily. Where like he's saying like okay I have tested this deck now I've made Hulk and I'm done with him because I know it works take it right. all apart and move on I don't need to do that I can just play this deck a few different times and mm-hmm. like it or not like it um, do you have a do you have an opinion on that whole like I have to test this deck Drew yeah bringing us back to the kind of competitive aspect or, or sorry thinking it in terms of like competitive games. So, for example, like I said earlier, I'm playing Pokemon, and Pokemon is a game that has releases come out fairly regularly. They come out about every two to three months, and so there's this whole extra set of cards that completely changes the meta and completely changes new decks, and what you need to do when you test it is, if you want to make a new deck, you need to think, okay what are the strongest decks in the format right now? And how does this deck work going up against them? And so you have this kind of gauntlet that you have to go through. I have to beat this deck. I have to beat this other deck. I have to beat this deck. And then at a certain point, you have to make a concession where you say, okay, it can't beat everything. Which ones do I think are going to be the most common or the most popular decks if I go to something like a tournament? And what are the kinds of decks that I'm going to expect to be playing against? And in Champions, you don't do that. There's no tournament. There's no randomness on what encounters you're going to go up Mm. against. And so I think going with what you were saying in terms of testing a deck and things like that, I think that the way I would say it, I think you had a really good way of framing that. I'm just playing the deck. And I'm just trying to see how it's working. Do these pieces fit together? Does it do the things that I want it to do? That spider deck, for example, where you have follow through. Every time you do excess damage, it does an extra damage. You have hand cannons. So every time I attack with a basic attack, I can give it overkill. And if I'm playing against a deck, or sorry, if if I'm playing a deck, what I'm looking for mostly are Do I have enough of these pieces that I need? Are two hand cannons enough? Or do I need to go up to three? Is three follow-throughs too much or or something like that? And I think that that's um, exactly right. 
which is where I know a lot of people, when they say, I'm making a deck, I'm going to test it, it's going to be against Claw, Masters of Evil, Expert. And I think that for a lot of people, they say that's the go-to because it does everything. It has high health minions, it has low health minions, it's got lots of surge, it's got lots of ping damage from treacheries, it has healing, it's got attachments, it's got side schemes, it does stun, confuse, it gives things tough. You basically have to interact with everything. But that's going to be a scenario that's going to have those things. You know mm. what's going to happen in the scenarios mm. that you play, unless, of course, you keep it a secret from yourself or, or something like that, right. right? But like, you know what's in these encounter decks. It's not hidden information. There's no randomness about what you're going to come up against, unless you use a randomizer app, for example. Mm. Um, and so you don't have to make a deck that does everything uh, against a villain like Claw, who does everything. Because you know what you're going to play against. So you can kind of tailor it in a specific way if you want to bring those kinds of cards that are like what we call silver bullets, you know, the cards that you play because they can deal with something that the that your opponent is doing. And when you know what your villain is doing, you can think about these kinds of things. A really good example of a silver silver bullet would be um she-Hulk has a card called Ground Stomp, and there's another yep. version of it that's a basic, I can't remember the name of it, but she's on it as well. <laughs> um, but it just deals one damage to every minion uh, Ground Stomp does, and then the other, the basic version, just every minion engage with you. But it's really strong against Ultron, because all the minions just have one health, unless certain things are out, and then you have to deal with those. But you know, it's it's a really good silver bullet specifically in that scenario. And it's not very good against most other scenarios. And so <laughs> I think that, yeah. you know, that's that's something that you have to think about because when people make decks, they don't put that into their decks, right? When when people make decks and post them online and things like that, they don't say like this is the kind of deck that I'm making. I think that we talked about this the last time with Enraged on Brawn, uh, Ironheart's Brawn against Sandman, for example. That's a very specific strategy that only works in that scenario. If you take that deck with Enraged that you're planning to put on Brawn and taking it to any other scenario, it doesn't really work anymore because now Brawn's just going to kill himself even faster and you're getting fewer resources from his ability and it's not very helpful. And I think that on the Lord of the Rings page, there's there's uh, it's been a while since I've I've gone on there, but I think there's something on there where you can say like which scenario this is meant to be for, where you can say like this is against this particular campaign or this particular scenario, and this is the deck I used to beat this thing because it was really difficult, and these are all the silver bullets I used, and I think that there isn't that much in the champions community. I think a lot of people are just comparing decks to one specific standard, one criterion that is kind of this nebulous kind of thing, which is kind of like Claw, where it's just doing everything and not every scenario does everything. Yeah, and Drew, I think you're right because it has to be nebulous because of the way modular sets work, right? Yeah. Like every scenario is almost infinitely changeable by the mods that you put in it. So like this deck beats Claw all the time with 
claw and these two things, but throw throw something else in there and it doesn't anymore. And and I think that's the great thing about this game is that the modular sets change everything so hugely. Yeah, that's one thing I really enjoy as well. I think that you can have some really fun experiences that you are crafting for yourself and this can kind of get into a specific strategy that you develop for your deck as you're building like a, an encounter deck. So I think one really good example of this is the armadillo modular mm -hmm. from the Nova pack. And Ooh. for anyone who doesn't remember armadillo, every time he attacks, he gets a tough and then he can have unlimited tough statuses on him. And if you have piercing, then it's not a problem at all, right? It's, it's, absolutely not a big deal you can just have one yeah. attack all the toughs go away and then you can defeat him very easily but then something that you could do is where you could say all right i'm going to build my deck now instead of having a whole bunch of piercing events or a whole bunch of allies that have piercing or something like that instead i'm going to have just one event with piercing this is my one answer <laughs> to deal with this uh minion when it comes out and then now it's it's kind of that experience, that like kind of competitive experience where often when you have to build those decks, you usually just put in one answer into your deck. Um, of course, you could play it as well, where you just want to put in all the piercing events and you just want to kill Armadillo as many times as you want. Um, whatever would be fun for you, uh, I think that would be fine too. But I think that would be, um, you know, some something that people can probably try to think about in terms of their own deck building is think about how they build the encounter deck as well and building a specific kind of experience. Mm, that's a cool point. Yeah. The major takeaway I think that you can think in terms of deck building, if you want to start deck building, one of the first things you can do is just start playing other games that involve this type of customizability. Whether it's Magic the Gathering or whether it's Lord of the Rings, it doesn't matter. You're going to play some other game and you're going to take you're going to realize that you've already developed some of those skills while playing Marvel Champions. And then once you play those other games, you can come back to Marvel Champions and you can see it in a new way. Mm. Once you've done that and you start having ideas about different kinds of decks that you want to make and different kinds of things that you want to play, try to think about why are you making this deck? What is the purpose? Do you want to have fun? Do you want to have one specific combo and only win with these specific cards? Or do you want to just make the most efficient deck you can? And all of those are valid. Any way that you want to play is totally valid. And don't let anyone else tell you differently. But think about that purpose as you're building your deck. Does this card help me achieve my deck's goal? And if it doesn't, it doesn't need to be in your deck. And you could take that card and make a new deck with it. Right? Yeah, exactly. You can yeah. think, oh, I really wanted to play this card, but it doesn't fit this deck. Well, yeah, that's the beauty of deck building. <laughs> make Just make a one. new one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I've, I've done that plenty of times. You go into a deck, I really want to play this. Oh, now I've built a completely different deck, and I'm not what I thought I was going to start with, but I'll just go back and make that other one again as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I definitely had that as well. Yeah. Well, folks. This has been great. And folks, this is the season all about giving, and we have given you the gift of genius in the form of Drew. 
Drew, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was it was a pleasure. Um, Drew, thank you so much. This is yes. the best holiday gift we could give anyone. Your insights. So, cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Hey, folks. Hope you enjoyed that. That was our special gift to you. You want to send us holiday gifts? You can email us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook. Or you can find us on YouTube by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardine, Big Fun Bloaf, and Watering Tuke. If you like our show, tell Santa. If you don't like our show, tell Krampus. Good night, everyone. <laughs>